we are here expecting something tonight. Amen. So listen, let's turn to our Bibles and open up the Word of God to Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. Genesis 32, chapter 32, verse 24. And if you're at your house watching online or if you're in here, I think it's beautiful if we can stand for the word, the reading of the word of God, because the word of God is a good, firm foundation to stand on. Amen. So Genesis 32, verse 24, and the word of God says this, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Father God, in the name of Jesus, let these lips of clay become the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit tonight. Take Pastor Link out and put Holy Spirit directly into the text, into this message, and let there be ears to hear and hearts to receive tonight. And we'll give your name the honor, glory, and praise for the word of God. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. You too at home can be seated. Thank you, sir. So listen, um, my name is, is Pastor Lincoln Williams. I am uh, the worship pastor here at New Life Church. For those of you who don't know me, um, I'm super excited and you are here watching our broadcast tonight. But I want to come to the title, I want to come with you guys to a title called Wrestle the Miracle. Wrestle the miracle. Wrestle the miracle. What's it, what's it mean to wrestle? When you wrestle with something in the art form or in the, in the con, combat form of wrestling, the way that you win is to pin down the opponent. When you pin down the opponent, it, it signifies that you have won. But Because last week we talked about I came to fight. But this week, we want to wrestle the miracle. Somebody say, wrestle the miracle. So right now, we're, we, we read the scripture talking about how Jacob was wrestling with God and how, you know, he said, don't let go till you, till you bless me. But it's very important to put what we're reading into context. Remember that? So we want to put the reading into context. We want to get to the root of the text because if you don't understand the root of it, you will read the scripture 
out of context. So I, I want to paint a picture tonight and give y'all a setup before I get back to this scripture because the, 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 the things that went on before this moment will show us why this moment is significant. Amen? So for those of us who don't know, Jacob is, we find Jacob in this particular part of the text, he is preparing to meet and reconcile with his brother Esau. And Esau, Jacob and Esau are the sons of Isaac. So we see Jacob preparing to reconcile with his brother, and he's afraid. If you look back in the scriptures before this one, he, he was so afraid of Esau, and I want to show you why he was afraid of Esau. The reason why he was afraid of Esau is because in the prior text, if you look in chapter 27, it talks about how Jacob deceived his own brother. Jacob deceived his own brother, and because he deceived his own brother, there were things, there were chains that were, that were being made in this moment because Jacob developed a personality of deceit in this moment. See, when there was a, it all started, the root where it started of Jacob's deceit was when he deceived Esau out of his birthright. So when he deceived Esau out of his birthright, this was his first time stepping into this personality of deceit and misleading. And what he did, he caught his brother in a weak moment. He caught Esau in a weak moment. Esau had just come from out of the field because Esau was a hunter, just like Isaac. So when he came out of the field, he was telling his brother, hey man, I am so hungry. I'm famished, the word of God says. And Jacob saw an opportunity to deceive. He said, hey man, if you so hungry, sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright and I'll feed you. And in this moment, we see also the immaturity of Esau not knowing the level of influence that a birthright actually had. So we see the immaturity of Esau and the deceit of Jacob because Jacob deceived him to say, give me your birthright and I'll feed you. And so therefore Esau, being immature of knowing the significance of a birthright, he sold it for food. So we see a root of something that goes on and on inside of their history. And the one thing about roots is if you don't get to the root of a problem and you don't cut it off early, it can grow into something else. So here in this moment, instead of cutting off the deceit that Jacob had inside of him to deceive his own brother, we now fast forward into adulthood. And we find Jacob deceiving again. And this time when he deceived, because it became such a personality, because it became so much a part of him, he had no problem deceiving the person he deceived. And the person he deceived was his own father, Isaac. And at this particular time, Isaac is now old. The Bible says that he became blind. And because Jacob knew that, and even his mother, because they both knew that, Jacob said, the Bible says that Jacob Isaac said to Esau, son, go get me some wild game because I want to bless you. And because I want to bless you, I want you to go get it and come back so I, so, I can, so I can bless you. And because the deceit inside of Jacob and even his mother who also told him, listen to me, just listen to me, don't worry about it. Because Jacob was, was kind of contemplating of, of deceiving again. 
And the thing about deceit is it starts out small and it grows big. To the point, and, and here's the part that you have to be careful of when you see deceit in certain people or in your child. You have to nip it in the bud. But Rebecca wasn't strong enough, so she even pushed him and influenced him to deceit even more, to deceive even more. And I wonder how many of us had an opportunity to kill a root, to root it up and destroy it, but we let it grow. We let it grow because we thought that it was just something little. And the fact of the matter is, it was something little, but because you did not uproot it, it grew into something big. And in this instance, it grew into a personality trait. When it should have been a moment. It, it turned into a personality trait when it should have been a moment. And a lot of things, we have let moments turn into personality traits. Some of us have had um, panic attacks, and we have now owned that, and it's become a personality trait about us. I'm real panicky. I get real nervous. When it should have been a moment, it should have been a moment that we caught ourselves and say, okay, I'm having a panic attack right now, but this is not who I am. This is a moment. And if you root it in that moment, it will stay that way and you can overcome something because you did not let it grow into this weed, into this plant. You cut it at the root. But Rebecca influenced Jacob to continue to deceive. And what we saw when he deceived Esau, when he said, give me your birthright, it showed us that now in this moment where he's about to deceive his own father, a blind man, it shows you how much, if you don't root something up, how much you're desensitized to it. He was so desensitized to deceiving that he was okay deceiving his own blind father. So while Esau is out in the field actually doing what his father told him to do, we have Jacob pretending to be Esau to get the blessing of Esau. Because one thing that we often have a hard time is we don't want anybody else to get blessed other than us. So therefore we will deceive, we will manipulate in order to be blessed even if it comes at the cost of somebody else losing their own blessing. We, we don't mind getting in the way. We, we, we want to get the blessing. We want to get everything that somebody else has to give us, but we may be getting in the way of cutting off somebody else's inheritance. And here Jacob already had the birthright, but he couldn't settle with the birthright, so he went for the blessing. In this time, in, the, in those times, the blessing of the father to the, to the firstborn son was so significant that even if he blessed the other son, it wasn't as significant as blessing the firstborn. And what we also catch in Scripture, even in birth, Jacob, the name means grasp. So by Jacob and his name being grasp, the reason why it says that is because out the womb, Jacob was holding on to Esau's heel because he was trying to pull Esau back so he could be the firstborn. Isn't that crazy that even in the womb, he was trying to override his brother? There are things inside of us that we don't want to get rid of because we aren't strong enough to uproot it. 
We would rather it grow. We would rather it just be a part of us or we just too lazy to pray against it or wrestle with it or fight it. So it ends up becoming the fabric of who we are. They could have nipped that in the bud, even out the womb. They could have nipped that in the bud while he was a child, growing up with Esau. Lord, don't give your birth right away. But because deceit is so sneaky, just like the deceiver, sometimes you don't know how far and deep that root runs. So here we have Esau out in the field, not worried about anything, and his brother is in the house pretending to be him. Pretending to be him to get the blessing of Isaac. And because Isaac is blind and because Jacob was so good at deceiving now, he was able to deceive his own father regardless of him being blind. The Bible says that he asked several different characteristics. Well, let me smell you. Let me touch your face. This, that, and third. Let me touch your hands. And he still deceived his own father. And therefore, Jake, uh, Isaac blessed Jacob with Esau's blessing. And as soon as it happened, later on, Esau finally came back with the wild game. And the food that he prepared, he said, Father, I've prepared thee a meal. And Isaac's like, who is that? Who is that? And Esau says, Father, it's me. Father, it's me, Esau. And then Isaac says, well, who fed me earlier? Uh Uh-huh. Who fed me earlier? And here is where Esau finds out that his blessing has now been stolen once again. It's been stolen once again, but this, and even more so, it's been stolen twice by my own flesh and blood. Flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood has stolen not only my birthright, that wasn't good enough for you, now you had to steal my firstborn blessing. So this is showing us who Jacob is. So while we are watching these two different characters develop in this particular narrative, we are watching one person grow worse and the other person grow bitter all at the same time. All at the same time. So what happens? Esau says to his father, please, pay attention to this, please, please, father, bless me. Father, please bless me. And Isaac says, I already gave the blessing out. And the blessing was so specific, it said, when he blessed over Jacob because he thought it was Esau, he was saying, you will rule over your brothers, you will rule over the land, you will rule over that. And now it is Jacob ruling over everything that Esau was supposed to have. How many of us have been in this similar situation? Maybe not a brother and sister, but a friend, but a coworker. You took my job, you took this, you took that. And here we are feeling the weight of deceit from our own kinfolk, from our own kin, from our own people who are supposed to love us, care about us, my family. So here we see and paint the picture of who Jacob is. Now let's fast forward. Jacob is sent to a gentleman by the name of Laban who happens to be um, the brother-in-law or the brother of, of Isaac. So he sends them out there because Esau wants revenge. <laughs> Esau big mad. Esau is angry like, oh, bro, when I see you, it's a wrap for you, Jacob, because you just stole everything. Now I'm at you. So Jacob is sent by Isaac out to Laban. And here is where it is so important that you catch this. You reap 
what you sow. You reap what you sow. And here we see in the story that Jacob is now experiencing a few situationships. What do I mean by situationships? Okay, the first thing that happened is he's there, he's working, he's, and, and, the, and Laban says, hey, um, I don't want you to just work for free. What's your wage? Name your wage. And he sees Laban's daughter by the name of Rachel, who happens to be the younger daughter of his. And in that culture, they don't marry off the younger daughter before the older daughter. And the older daughter happened to be Leah in this particular uh, story. So now we see Jacob, because the Bible says that she was, that Leah was dim on the eyes, but Rachel was beautiful. She was shapely. So Jacob said, I want her. And therefore, Laban says, okay, you can marry her. Tonight she will come to your tent. And the Bible says they, that they knew, they began to know each other. This and the third, it means they had sex, this and the third, whatever. So he laid with her, but when he got up in the morning, it was not Rachel. It was actually Leah. So now we see the deceiver is now being deceived. He's now being deceived because what? You reap what you sow. So since you want to deceive, deceive your brother, now you are being deceived. And the Bible says that he was angry. He said, why did you deceive me? Don't that sound like Esau talking to Jacob? But this is Jacob talking to somebody else that he had met for the first time. So now Jacob is saying, why did you deceive me? And, they, and Laban says, because in our custom, we don't marry off the youngest before the oldest. So if you want her, you're going to have to marry her too. So now Jacob is put into a situation where he got to take care of two different women. Brother, <laughs> let me speak to all the married men, mandating, one is enough. <laughs> Y'all are beautiful. We love y'all, but I don't need two. <laughs> Just like you don't need two husbands. But we find him in the middle of experiencing his own deceit right back at him. They deceived him so he could marry her. And then he marries, so he marries on. And, and we find Jacob, the Bible says, he served Laban for 14 years plus just so he could have Rachel. But here's the crazy part. Rachel could not conceive. Leah could. So he wanted something that could not bear fruit. And how many of us want something that don't bear fruit? We want a job that will not bear fruit. We want friends that will not bear fruit. But because we want it and because it's shapely and, it's, and because it's not like Leah, like it was dim on the eyes because it's so beautiful, we want it even if it may cause lack of production. I want this job but I may not be productive in it. I want this career, but it may not produce fruit for me and my family later down the road. I want all these things, but they may, they may leave me barren. And what happens to Jacob is he has to conceive through Leah. And Leah had a, quite a few sons. And then it's the Bible says her womb stopped conceiving. So therefore, Rachel says to him, and this is where it got crazy. Rachel said to him, if you don't give me a baby, I'll die. And Jacob looks at her like, am I God? What are you mad at me for? Why don't you be mad at the creator? Why, am I God? Why are you upset with me? So the Bible says that she gave him 
her servant to lay with so that she could start her own family. So now I still can't have you, the thing that don't bear fruit. I still want you, but now I have to get your leftover, your, your counterparts. I have to get your servant in order to have my own kids. So now I got three different wives. <laughs> I got three different situations with multiple kids. Yes, Jacob was a baby daddy. <laughs> I know everybody won't believe Jacob was a baby daddy multiple times. Because then we fast forward, and, he st- and Leah gets jealous because she can't have no more kids. So she gives her, she gives Jacob her servant. So now he lays with that servant and have more kids. This is a lot of laying in kids. <laughs> this is a lot going on. That's, <laughs> that's why they tell people. And, and what we don't realize, and I believe this revelation, Jacob is giving himself to multiple people while losing himself to multiple people. Why do you think we talk about, you know, pre, uh, not giving yourself to so many different uh, mates and everything? Because you may be chipping yourself away, and by the time you get to your one and true mate, there's no more left of you. So we find our set, we find Jacob giving of himself and losing himself all at the same time. Because y'all, it started with, I like Rachel. But in order to have Rachel, I had to marry Leah who I had no intention of marrying. And because Rachel is barren, because she could not conceive, now I'm stuck with these kids that aren't even kin to her. And I got to sleep with her servant, and I got to sleep with the other one's servant. Lord, what's going on? Have you ever given so much of yourself that you lost yourself? Because people required it of you. Why don't you kick it with me? Why, don't you, why aren't you friends with me? How come you don't come do this with me? And you end up giving yourself away and you lose yourself just like Jacob. And you're wondering, God, where are you in all of this? Because I can't even see myself in the midst of all this. Jacob is giving of himself to all of these people. So I have to not only take care of the servants, the wives, but now I'm over all these boys. I'm over all these boys, these responsibilities. Because if y'all remember, Jacob is the father of Joseph and his brothers. All of those, these are all, this they daddy. <laughs> so he's going through all of this while the Lord begins to say to him, I think you need to go home. And the Lord says, Go home and I'll be with you. And Jacob is like, all right, I'll go. I'll go. I'll do it. And so Jacob leaves. He takes all his kids. Him and, him and the baby mamas move out in the middle of the night. They're trying to escape. And here we have now Jacob is in this moment where he remembers that he's going home and he's going to have to see Esau. Okay. I, I got to see Esau. And the last time I saw him, y'all remember the last time you saw somebody and it ended on bad terms? How nervous you got to see that person again? Yeah, I got to go see them again, but we on bad terms. So we find Jacob in a hard situation. He's spent physically, mentally, and right now he just really needs what we don't like to have, alone time. Jacob needs a long time, but he can't get it because he's spent over here. He's spent over there. And if anything has taught us in this season, you need to calm down. You need to slow down. You need to slow down because if you don't slow down, 
you will end up spent like Jacob. So we've painted this portrait of what happened that got him to this moment where he's on his knees. And even, even more so, the Bible says in chapter 32, verse 9, that then Jacob prayed, O God, my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only, made, I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. I'm afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers of their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Father, I'm scared because Esau may destroy my birthright. Esau may destroy my blessing. But isn't that the thing that Jacob stole from Esau? Are y'all catching this? This is, Jacob is experiencing what he created. This is the making of his own. And a lot of the times we are angry with God about something that we created. We're angry with God about a situation that we started ourselves because we didn't uproot that thing when it came inside of us. And now here we are in turmoil that we created. That we created. Why do we put ourselves in so many crazy situations? Because we think we can get ourselves out of those situations. Yeah, yeah. We are the best self-help people to ourselves that we could ever find. Because we think we are um, Superman or Superwoman. We think we are invincible. And the fact of the matter is, we are just as bad. <laughs> we are just as bad as a grain of salt. <laughs> we can flow in the wind. We like leaves. We can flow over here. We can flow over there. Because we don't have a foundation. Where is your foundation in? Is it in Christ? Because if it's in Christ, that'd be the first person you go to when this situation came about. Lord, heal the root because if you don't heal the root, if you don't uproot it, I'm going I'm to end up like Jacob. And Lord, I don't want to end up like Jacob. I, I, I don't want to end up like Jacob. But because I have so much pride, it's hard for me to accept that I need help. It's hard for me to accept that I need help because help goes, we think, with weakness. We think help is hand in hand with weakness when really help is the strongest thing about being a Christian because you can call on the person who can handle the problem. And if we call on him, the Bible says that he will hear us. So maybe we should start calling on Jesus instead of calling on ourselves. We end up calling ourselves because we believe Oh, I believe by the power of God, by, by this, that, and the third. Uh-uh. You better call on Jesus. You better call on him because we find Jacob in ourselves. How many times have we, <laughs> have we gotten into sticky situations and we try to, okay, Esau is where he's going. He's going to Esau for help, but he was scared because he wronged him in the beginning. Can I talk about this real quick? You better treat people right. 
You better treat people right because you don't know when you'll need them. You'd, it pays to treat people right because you never know when you need them, even if they're nasty, even if they're mean, even if in that moment, because you don't know what time you're catching those people, but if you treat them right, they may bless you later down the road. Because we know we have been mean to people at the wrong time because we're just having a bad day. and We didn't mean to put that on them, but because they showed us kindness, we became convicted in that moment. You ever been mean to somebody, like a clerk or something, and then you like, oh, you were super nice. I didn't mean to be that mean to you. It's because they understood something that we did not understand. You reap what you sow. <laughs> That's the universal law. You will reap what you sow. It can be good and it can be bad, but you will reap what you sow. And here we have Jacob reaping what he sowed as a kid. How come we don't catch these chains when we see them? Because this is a chain that could have been broken from the start. But because he did not break it, we see the same deceit that happened to Esau happening to Joseph. Joseph was deceived by his own brothers, just like Esau was by Jacob. And that's a chain that could have been broken by Rebecca. But Rebecca saw her own personal gain through her kid, so therefore she said, uh-uh, go ahead and deceive your own father. He's blind. Go ahead and deceive him. He ain't going to know it's you. He not going to know it's you. Because sometimes when, when manipulators want to manipulate, there's something tied to who they're manipulating. Okay, I'm going to manipulate you because that's going to serve me later on down the road. I'm going to get that birthright too. I'm going to get that inheritance too. And what the problem is with that is we create chains that flow into other generations. And then we wonder why our child is struggling. We wonder why we're struggling because our parents did not have the courage to break whatever that chain was. They allowed it to happen or didn't even know they were allowing it to happen because they weren't strong enough to break it off of themselves. But I came to tell somebody that there is a name, there's a name above all names, and his name is Jesus, and he can break any chain that's holding you. You just got to ask him to break it. You got to ask him to break it. Because when he breaks a chain, that chain don't come back together. When Jesus breaks a chain, the chain is completely diminished. You know that song we sing, Rattle? Yeah, everybody can rattle a chain, but how many of them can break it? How many of us can actually break the chain? Because when you rattle a chain, when I rattle this necklace, it's not breaking. It's just moving. I don't want to just move the chain to pretend that I'm actually doing something. I want to completely destroy and break the chain because when I break the chain, it doesn't have to lead into the next generation like Joseph had to experience. Joseph wasn't a deceiver, but because of the chain that Jacob created, Joseph had to suffer the consequences of Jacob. And I wonder how many of us are going through something that we didn't create. We didn't create it. We just had to pick it up. And because we picked it up, ch ch chains are heavy. <laughs> chains chains are, are heavy. 
That's why when we try to go on our knees, we feel so heavy, and we're begging God for a miracle, but we can't even feel his presence because we're covered in chains. And chains are cold. <laughs> Remember when you put on your necklace chain or you had some chains over you? Those chains aren't warm. They're cold. <laughs> and they're cold because they were left out in the cold for somebody else to deal with. Oh, no, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to let somebody else deal with that. I'm going to let somebody else deal with that depression because I'm not ready to, mm -mm, that's too cold. I don't want to pick that up. I want to stay in the warmth. But who's brave enough to step out in the midst of the cold and say, this chain going to die today. This chain is going to break. Because if I don't break it, the next generation, the next Joseph is going to have to deal with my chain. You're going to have to deal with my chain. So now the stage has been set. So now we find Jacob sending all he has to the person he betrayed in order to live. So Jacob huddled up all his oxen, huddled up all his kids, and he sent them as gifts to Esau so that Esau would not kill him when he saw him coming. And he was so afraid of Esau, he told them, say, Lord, Esau, your servant, not your brother, your servant, Jacob sends his regard, he sends his flock, he sends his servants, and the servants were his kids, were his wives. He said, I send women, I send oxen. He sent his own, catch this, he sent the birthright that he created while he was gone away from Esau, the thing that he stole from Esau, the birthright. He's now sending his birthright to Esau. You better be careful <laughs> because if you don't treat people right, you may be having to send your birthright to somebody else. If you don't protect yourself from the enemy, if you don't stay in the face of God, he may force you to have to send your birthright and everything you worked for to somebody else. Catch what I'm saying? Be careful of how you treat things in this season because you may lose them after we get out of this season. You may lose them. You may have to turn them over. So you better catch what thus saith the Lord. So Jacob is now sending his own birthright back to the originator who he stole it from. Sending it back. And Jacob is fighting something he, that he made himself. But now he has sent his only children, his only livestock, to appease and calm Esau. And Jacob is now alone in a tent because he finally, he finally got that alone time. He sent everybody away. He's saying, Lord, I need to spend some time with just me. And here's the great thing about God. He still shows up regardless of where you are, whether you created it or you just came into it. The Bible says that Jacob was sitting there and he began to wrestle with this man. And I believe the Bible gives us this, this vague part because it skips right to, and a man began to wrestle, and they wrestled till, till morning came. They never said how the man got in there, never made, made up how he came into the tent. All they say is he began to wrestle. And I believe through Revelation that he saw the appearance of this man and thought it was an enemy of Esau and started to wrestle him. But while he was wrestling with him, the more he wrestled, the more he realized it was God. The more he realized this can't be a man, this got to be the promise. This got to be the God that I keep praying to, but I keep deceiving. 
this got to be the God. And since he's here, I'm going to wrestle him. I came to talk to some wrestlers in the house. Who's willing to wrestle with the master in order for him to bless you? Are you going to wrestle with God? Because Jacob is now wrestling with him. And the more he wrestled with him, he noticed how strong this man was. He's like, this, this dude is stronger than the usual. But because of his desperation, he began to put on his own strength and say, uh-uh, I'm not letting go. And the man said, let me go. And Jacob replied, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Where did we hear this before? Esau said to Isaac, Father, bless me, bless me. And the father was not able to bless him. But once Jacob got in this situation to wrestle the right person, he was able to receive the blessing of God because he wrestled the right person. Sometimes we need to wrestle with God so he can hear us. God, I'm not letting go. And, so, and this, is, oh, this is a revelation. Maybe we're wrestling the wrong thing. We are wrestling with being fearful. Maybe we need to wrestle with faith. Because when you wrestle, you have to pin that thing down. And when I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling it to pin it down because pinning it down shows that I have defeated, I have gained it. So maybe I need to wrestle with faith because I'm struggling with faith. But if I wrestle it, if I grab it, I'll be able to hold it down in hard times. I'll be able to hold down faith when I'm fearful. I'll be able to hold down Faith in the midst of fear, I'll be able to hold it down because I wrestled it. I don't need to fight. I need to wrestle in some seasons. Some of us need to get in a wrestling season. The crazy thing about, about Jacob, what we see is because he had lost everything, he went back to what he knew, his originality. So we found Jacob grasping Grasping, you have to grasp something in order to wrestle. He tried to wrestle with Esau, and it still messed him up. He tried to wrestle with Esau by grabbing his heel on the way out the womb. Now we catch him wrestling with the right person, and this is the person who can bless him. Esau could not give, no matter how much Esau was the firstborn, Esau could not give Jacob what he actually needed. But God could. <laughs> and since he started wrestling with God, when you wrestle the right person, there's a revelation that comes. And the Bible said that he wrestled with him, and the, and, the, and the God hit him in the hip, and it knocked his hip out of socket. Catch this. He had to show that you need to depend on me more than yourself. You can wrestle me. Yeah, that's cool, but I'm going to knock that hip out of socket so you can depend on me. Because now, now we see Jacob has to depend on the person he's wrestling. He had to wrestle. And, we, and the funny thing about this is, Jacob's been wrestling all his life. Ever since he came out the womb. He, when he came out the womb, he had to wrestle with the point that he wasn't the firstborn. He was the secondborn. He had to wrestle with the fact that he didn't have the firstborn birthright, so he had to steal it. And after he stole it, he had to wrestle with that conviction. And after he wrestled with that, he had to go, he stole his, his brother's blessing, and he had to wrestle with the fact that he stole his own brother's blessing all his life, even after he left his presence. 
after he left his father, after he left his family, he's miles away wrestling with the guilt of his own decisions. He's a wrestler. Jacob's a wrestler. And because he's a wrestler, he had to wrestle with so many. He had to wrestle with the fact that he has to lay with these many women in order to have kids because he can't even have the one that he wanted. He couldn't have the one that he wanted, so he had to wrestle and wrestle with this feeling of, God, I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of doing that. I still can't seem to have peace, and I'm miles away from my guilt. I'm miles away from my past, but here I am wrestling with my past in the midst of my present. What am I supposed to do? Can I tell you what you got to do? Wrestle with God. Get your hands on God. And when you get your hands on God, nobody, no one can untighten your grip. Only you can let go. But if you decide not to let go and you decide to have the tenacity of Jacob, you'll be wrestling with God until you get a blessing. I wish I had some people who've been wrestling with God and haven't seen a result yet. Keep wrestling. Keep tussling. Keep holding them until you get what you came for. Because as soon as you get what you came for, this is what gets good about the scripture. He said, what is your name? He said, my name is Jacob. And he said, no longer will your name be Jacob, but your name will be Israel. And he went from the grasper, the wrestler Jacob, to the man who was named Israel, which means God prevails. Woo! Means God prevails. Meaning my will will not matter because God, what? Prevails. I'm no longer the wrestler. It means now I prevail with God, Woo. I love the scriptures. If you read this Bible, this Bible will come to life on you. And when you read it in context, you can understand the nature of our characters in this specific narrative. Did I know that Jacob was doing all of this? I'm here thinking, like, oh, Jacob is just Joseph's daddy. No, no, no. Jacob was a deceiver. But when he wrestled with God, God changed his name. And I'm wondering how many people want to get their name changed today? How many of y'all want to get your name changed? I'm tired of my name being fear. I'm tired of my name being depression. I'm tired of my name being anxiety. I want my name to be freedom. I want my name to be saved. I want my name to be written on the tablets of eternity. I want my name to change. Somebody say, I want my name to change. But I got to wrestle with the miracle. Because when I wrestle with the miracle, it doesn't matter if it comes right then and there. I don't care if you knock my hip out, Lord. I'm going to still hold on to you because I want you to change my name. I want you to change my name. I want you to change my narrative because if you change my name, nobody else can give me a name that don't belong to me. Woo! Nobody else can give me a name that don't belong to me. That's not my name no more. Remember I said that last week? You calling me by a name that I don't receive no more. I don't receive fear no more in my life. I don't receive that I'm a loser anymore in my life. I don't receive that you think that I'm not nothing. Because the Bible says that if I wrestle with the miracle, I can have my name changed. And if you wrestle with the miracle, you can have your name changed to give God a crazy hand clap on that because he wants to change your name. He wants to change your name. We have walked around with names 
that are no longer who we are anymore. He didn't want to be a deceiver all his life. He stopped deceiving when he got to Laban, when he got to that individual. When he started meeting Rachel, he stopped deceiving. But because reaping and sowing is such a strong universal thing, he couldn't help but catch what he sowed. And we see Jacob going through these, this time, going through this period saying, Lord, Lord, please, Lord, Lord. I don't, I, Jacob's not happy about having all these kids. He's just like, oh, they want a kid. I got to go. I got, he's literally going order after order without caring about himself because he's giving himself and losing himself at the same time. So the name Jacob becomes a curse instead of a blessing. It's a curse now. What? What? I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be a deceiver. But yet, here I am being deceived by, the, by my own father-in-law. Man, where did I feel that at? I deceived my own father and had no problem with it. But Jacob says, I want my name changed. He didn't go in seeking a name change. He just go in seeking a blessing. He didn't know the blessing was going to be his entire identity changed. His entire identity identity changed. And because Jacob wrestled with God, and he finally got it together in that moment, Esau was able to receive him. The person who was trying to kill him was able to receive him. He said, where's Jacob? He said, my Lord, he's scared. He sent us his gifts. But the moment of significance that we see with Jacob is when he wrestled with God and his name completely changed. I want to pray with you today. There's somebody listening to me today that is having trouble with a name that was given to you Fear, anxiety, depression, that name. I'm not talking about your, your birth name. I'm talking about a name that was given to you because of a moment. You experienced something and you made it into your name. You did something in your past and they gave you that name. Can I tell you, wrestle with miracle is God. The miracle is God. Listen, he wants to change your name. Your name is written in this book, but you've been going by a name that you are not called. Weak. Misunderstood. Afraid. No, 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 no. That's not your name. When you wrestle with the miracle, when you, mess, when, when you wrestle with the miracle worker, your name changes. What would have happened if Jacob never wrestled with the man? Who scholars believe was God. What happens if he didn't wrestle? He would still be Jacob, the deceiver, the wrestler. Wrestling should happen for a season, not for a lifetime. If you've been wrestling with something 
that's been holding you bound, listen. Be prepared to wrestle no more. Wrestle with God. We, we don't have to wrestle with these names that people have given us. People have called me plenty of names. And I had to decide, is that who I'm going to be? Or am I going to shake myself? Talk to the master, the miracle worker, who can make me a walking, talking, breathing miracle? Am I going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death without him or with him? Who am I going to wrestle with? I'm going to wrestle with God. I'm going to wrestle with the miracle. Jacob wrestled with God and received a new beginning. He said, I won't let go. I won't let go. Just like his brother said to his father, Father, please, please bless me. Here we see Jacob saying, Father, please, please bless me. I know I was wrong. I know I've messed up. But please bless me. Lord, if you don't bless me, bless my children. God, bless my family. Bless my sister. Bless my brother. If you don't bless me, bless somebody within my lineage because... some names on some families right now that family is crazy that family is is extra that family is full of drunks that family is full of drug addicts we decree right now I feel this we decree right now in the name of Jesus that the power of God and the Holy Ghost breaks that name off of you and your family and your family to come if you believe that Pray with me, Father God, in the name of Jesus. We speak against any chain, any name that you did not give us, and we cast it into the sea in the fiery furnace. We cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. We give it to you so that you can give our family a new name, a new name in the name of Jesus. We cast out any name that does not fall into the family of God. Change our name. If we used to be drunk, call us sober. If we used to be lost, call us found. If we used to be unbelieving, call us believers. But above all, call us a child of God. Call me child of God. If that ain't who I am no more. I'm not that. I'm a child of God. Say it. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God because I've wrestled with the miracle and the miracle was I need my future to change. So now that I've wrestled him and he has given me a new name, call me by my new name. And my new name is redeemed. My new name is saved. My new name is set free by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Call me my new name. Call me my new name. Because I've wrestled with the miracle worker. And because I've wrestled with him, my name is changed.
by the hem of his garment and she was still changed she went from inflicted to healed her name was changed because she wrestled with Jesus' garment Woo! you don't even have to catch all of them you can just catch a piece of them and your name can be changed everybody underneath the sound of my voice Listen to me clear. There are some people who are listening to this broadcast who haven't had a chance to even step into the ring with God to know Him, to call on Him, to see Him. Can I invite you to, into the family? Can, can, I, can I help get you to the point of getting a new name? Listen, all you have to do is this. All you have to say is, Father, Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose 
from the grave. Not only did you rise from death to life, but you brought my new name with you. And I thank you for everything you have done. And I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. And I accept my new name tonight, right now in this moment. If that's you and you prayed that prayer, come on, give God a hand clap. We welcome you into the family, not the family of new life, but the family of eternity, the family of I am saved. I have been redeemed. I have a new name, and my new name is saved by grace. My new name is redeemed. My new name has been written on the tablets of eternity. My new name. So this is my first time meeting you. I want to introduce myself. I'm Pastor Lincoln. It's so nice to meet you, redeemed. It's so nice. It's so nice to meet you, saved. It's so nice to meet you, freedom. It's so nice to meet you. We've been waiting on you. God's been waiting on you. And we're so glad to finally meet you. Welcome. Welcome. Now I know you're looking around like, who are you talking? I'm talking to you. This is your new name. Save. Sanctify. Fill with this precious Holy Spirit. Redeem. That's your new name. Forget what they called you. As soon as you said that prayer, it was casted out. Now, you saved now, you're a part of this family now, and we welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you with open arms, just like Jesus did. We welcome you because you have been brought into eternity. Welcome. Can we do can you do me a favor and do God a favor? Take your first breath as free now. Didn't that feel good? It's something about when chains break off of you and something new comes on you, the different air that you breathe is new. It's new. For those of you who have been saved, been redeemed, or you just gave your life back to Christ, you just got re-redeemed because you can get it again and again and again. Listen, don't let go of the person you're fighting for. Okay? Don't let go. God didn't forget. He just wanted to see how long you would grab a hold onto him. He just wanted to see how much, how, how hungry you were. Will you grip him? Will you grapple him? Will you grab will you grip him? Will you grapple him? This word, will you grip it? Will you grapple it? Will you open it? Will you read it? Will you allow it to read you? Will you speak your new name? New Life Family, we love you. We bless you. And your new name and your new for all of the new names called under heaven and earth. In Jesus' precious name, we all said amen. Amen. Family will